This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. City in downtown Vancouver. At the end of the day, these folks are staying in a tent because they don't have a place to live. The growing number of people setting up homes on Hastings Street. How City Hall is responding. Also tonight, officers under investigation. This is a disaster for the department. Several members of the Nelson Police Department under scrutiny. New details on the allegations. And suits for the stars. I'm measuring this waste. I said, them. you're sucking it in, aren't you? The Burnaby Taylor, who has the Hollywood market sewn up. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. We'll have those stories for you in a moment. But first, we begin tonight with breaking news. A jury has just found a Richmond RCMP officer guilty in connection to sex offenses involving minors. Jordan Armstrong joins us with the breaking details. Jordan? And Sophie, that jury began their deliberations yesterday afternoon, and within the last hour, they reached their verdict. Guilty on all 10 counts. The 37-year-old Richmond Mountie, while off-duty, exposed himself and performed an indecent act to four different girls from private schools in Vancouver. Crown Council says the VPD held an undercover operation that saw Andrew Shangio expose himself to two undercover officers. Shangio has been suspended from the RCMP since his arrest more than two years ago. He maintained his innocence, but again, a jury didn't buy it, finding him guilty on all charges. Shangio is currently out on bail ahead of his sentencing. He has another court appearance on July 20th to set a date for sentencing. We do have a crew outside the courthouse in Vancouver, and we'll have more information tonight on Global News at 11. Sophie. All right, we'll look for it then. Thanks for that, Jordan Armstrong reporting. Now, another tent city has taken hold in Vancouver, but this one is not in a city park. The latest encampment lines the sidewalk of one of the city's busiest streets. Kamal Karamali tells us why it's not likely to be cleared away anytime soon. If you drive down the downtown east side these days, chances are you'll notice something different. I think there are more tents. Many more tents. And there's a reason for that. Might even be in protest to the street sweeps. Vancouver police used to accompany the city of Vancouver's sanitation workers in street sweeps, cleaning and clearing sidewalks. But homeless advocates say a lot more than trash would get cleared out. I've personally seen them take it. tents that are fully up and erect, you know, with everybody's stuff in it and just thrown it into dumpsters. But on July 1st, Vancouver police said no more. We have long argued that this is an inappropriate use of police resources and is not a core policing service. Since then, a noticeable difference, large structures, pallets and tarps, some using tents as makeshift stores to sell goods and propane stoves for heat and cooking. It's concerning for local businesses. We come in, there's there's fires that are lit in our doorway, you know, it's not always to keep warm either, you know, this is summertime, so 
you know, uh, you know, fire is definitely an issue. But homeless advocates say people here are left with little choice. A fear of safety in single room occupancy housing, leaving many to take their chances out on the streets. Some people actually are truly homeless and living on the street, while others, uh, they come here by day or by night and go back home later. Now a renewed call for more affordable housing to provide these residents of Vancouver's newest burgeoning tent city a safe home. We're actually seeing a rapid deterioration of the SRO stock, a loss they're being renovated and folks are being kicked out and we have no answer as a city, so we need some help from the senior government. Community members are meeting next week to discuss limiting the number of tents to allow for a clear pathway for pedestrians, while the city says sanitation workers will continue their street sweeps without the help of police. Kamal Karamali, Global News. And the Vancouver Fire Department is trying to figure out what caused a blaze last night in that area on Hastings near Maine. It started in the rear of what appears to be an abandoned building and threatened a single-room occupancy hotel next door. Those residents were evacuated as a precaution. Forty firefighters had to work quickly to prevent the flames from spreading. They continued working through the night and today to knock down flare-ups. Sadly, the fire destroyed the Vancouver Street Church that's been providing outreach services in the community since 1993. I, I could see that all happening and I, I couldn't help but just scream and scream, you know, like, and... and screaming out, saying, I can't believe this is happening, you know, and wishing that I was just having a bad dream. I'm having a nightmare. This, you know, I'm going to wake up soon. You know, these are things that went through my mind as I watched this happening. Church leaders will meet in the next few days to decide how to proceed. They provide clothing and food to people in need in the community. Burnaby RCMP have released video of a suspect vehicle involved in a shooting on Monday, hoping for tips from the public. The gray 2020 Kia Fort was captured by surveillance video in the area of Patterson Avenue and Hearst Street before the shooting. While police have not identified the 59-year-old victim, the shooting happened outside the home of well-known Hells Angel Ronaldo Lissing. Police say the shooting was targeted. Investigators are looking for anyone with dash cam video from the area on the morning of July 4th between 10.45 a.m. and noon. We have the vehicle. Uh, we located it shortly uh, after the shooting. Uh, we have it in our possession. It's a good thing we have the vehicle. We have obviously our forensics looking at the vehicle, uh, trying to figure out what we can to locate the suspects. The victim suffered non-life-threatening injuries and is recovering in hospital now. We're learning more details about an investigation involving the Nelson Police Department. Eight current and former officers are under investigation by the Office of the Police Complaints Commissioner. And as Catherine Urquhart reports, it was their chief who launched the complaint. About 10,000 people live in Nelson, B.C., now many here are questioning why numerous members of their police department are under investigation. To know that this is happening is not a surprise at all. It's always been the rumor that half of the force was, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, bigoted, right? And the other half was sort of normal. The investigation was requested by Chief Constable Donovan Fisher. According to the Office of the Police Complaint Commissioner, 
a disciplinary conduct investigation is underway with respect to eight present and former Nelson police officers into potential misconduct under the Police Act. The OPCC also confirmed what Global News previously reported, that this is racism-related, saying it's related to participation in a WhatsApp chat group and the sharing of inappropriate content and messages including alleged racist comments. Chief Fisher told us that he would like to comment but can't due to confidentiality requirements. He did say that his department consists of 20 officers, including himself. At the Nelson Star newspaper, reporter Tyler Harper often covers police-related issues. If that many members are, you know, sharing racist content, this is a disaster for the department. Chief Donovan Fisher came in from Saskatchewan a year and a half ago. So there has been quite a bit of change going on. Um, It's always hard to know, though, uh, to the extent of what that change is and why it's being made. The investigation into eight current and former Nelson police officers is being done by members of the Vancouver Police Department under the civilian oversight of the OPCC. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, one day after Penticton RCMP warned the public about a potentially dangerous man on the loose, he is now in custody. 29-year-old Stephen Gallagher was the suspect in a shooting near Osoyoos on Canada Day, which injured a 22-year-old Maple Ridge man. Police said he was considered armed and dangerous. Penticton RCMP now say Gallagher turned himself in late Wednesday night. The victim's injuries are not life-threatening. The Assembly of First Nations annual meeting in Vancouver is ending with chiefs overwhelmingly backing an audit of the Assembly's finances going back a decade. It's now hoped the AFN's leaders can heal a deep schism. And as Neetu Garcha reports, those issues overshadowed other pressing concerns chiefs wanted to see addressed. We now have the results for... Emergency draft resolution number one. The resolution to begin a forensic review of the AFN's finances dating back at least a decade is approved. Has been adopted with 75% of the votes. During the debate, some chiefs voicing concerns about the audit's cost and whether it would spark a freeze on federal funding. Others say it took away from critical matters like education, climate change and child welfare. Probably one of the most frustrating times of my life because I I was sent here to do a specific job and... I haven't been able to fulfill my duties to my community and so I'm, I'm, I'm deeply apologetic to my community and other communities for failing them at this time and um, the failure of this assembly. BC Cook or Chief Judy Wilson has long been trying to draw attention to another key issue that affects every member at these meetings. Some of our elders waited their lifetime to get their status membership and they never did. Indian status cards are critical pieces of government ID that have to be renewed every 10 years under what Wilson says is an extremely onerous process, which she and nearly 20,000 others have signed a petition to end. It takes very long for the renewal, so I might wait up to eight years uh, to get a five-year renewal, because that's crazy with the backlog. She says red tape and understaffed band offices are slowing the process and many can't afford to travel to a federal government renewal office. So this is my card. So it looks like this. Unlike many who spent years proving their ancestry through historical records to get theirs, Brittany Apple was born with one. And it feels like a sense of control and 
when you look back in the history of why we even have status cards to begin with, it's because of the Indian Act. And the Indian Act was created for the purpose of assimilation. It was to create, created to essentially control Indigenous people. Indigenous Services Canada says the renewals are in line with other documents used to confirm identities at banks, airports and borders and that it's actively working to improve the process. We are currently um, uh, testing out a, a fully digital application process and it is live now in 14 service kiosks across the country. They shouldn't have to renew them because our status number stays with us from cradle to death. Like the leadership crisis that has consumed the week's meetings, Wilson says renewals take up time and resources that should be funneled towards other critical issues affecting First Nations. Neetu Garcha, Global News, Vancouver. Well, with so many stories emerging of air travel trouble, some passengers are getting proactive to keep, their ta to keep tabs on their bags. So just take one of these little guys and hide it in your check luggage. How travelers are using the latest tech to track their lost luggage next on the News Hour. I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. Indeed, Boris Johnson announces a Brexit of his own. The scandals that brought him down and what's next for the UK. Plus, the cat came back, but not before it had itself a little adventure. How Miri managed to get far from home, later on the news hour. Right now, from flight delays to cancellations, travel has become a bit of a disaster recently. And lost luggage is a big part of that misery. But as Global's Karen Lieberman reports, there's one small accessory that could be a big help. So I have an update for my luggage lost by Air Canada. It's still in Toronto. In a series of TikTok videos, traveler Kelly Lang of Toronto takes followers on her one checked bag's five-day journey to get to St. John, New Brunswick. I can see it's not in Toronto anymore. I was watching it for five days in Pearson. Day one, not moving. Day two, not moving. Day three, not moving. Day five, you know, I saw I had gotten to Moncton and then it made its way to St. John. Without any updates from the airline, Lang was able to track her own luggage. I used an AirTag. So this is an Apple AirTag. With a chaotic summer travel season underway, from delays and cancellations to lost luggage, Apple AirTags may be the ultimate travel companion, says this flight attendant. So just take one of these little guys and hide it in your check luggage, just in case. Little insurance policy. It's emitting every now and then a wireless signal, a little tiny beacon, as Apple calls it, just to let any iPhone or smartphone nearby know that it's near. And ideally, your phone is constantly listening. It's worthwhile in terms of anxiety because this is one of the big sources of anxiety is, oh, do I have all my stuff? We usually put an AirTag in our golf bag just so we can track it. But this time around, you know, I thought I would put it in my own luggage. Success only took five days. This priority tag means nothing. The only thing I had was that tracker. And if I didn't have it, I, I would probably be worrying a lot more. I'm really glad that I put it in my luggage. I'll be buying more and I'll be putting it in everything that I travel with. Karen Lieberman, Global News.
And in light of the recent travel congestion, Air Canada is announcing it will not be allowing animals in the baggage hold until September 12th. The airline says due to delays, it's not as safe for pets to be in the baggage hold right now, but current pet bookings will still be honoured. WestJet chimed in, stating it will still allow animals on their flights. Recently, Air Canada announced it would be cutting flights by 15%. July and August. Over the holiday long weekend, 70% of Air Canada's flights were delayed. Officials have officially broken ground on the new Steveston interchange as part of the George Massey Tunnel Replacement Project. Minister of Transportation and Infrastructure Rob Fleming was joined by Wayne Sparrow, the elected chief of the Musqueam Indian Band, and other dignitaries. The Steveston interchange will be expanded to replace the existing two-lane overpass structure at Steveston Highway and Highway 99. The new structure will be five lanes, two eastbound and three westbound. Not only do we have a better project today by working with local government, uh, we have a project uh, that is going to dramatically enhance uh, the solutions that we're looking for in this region to congestion. We know this is the worst bottleneck, uh, certainly in the lower mainland, probably the province, and we need a solution and we've arrived at a solution. The interchange is scheduled to be completed in 2025. The new tunnel won't be ready until 2030. Coming up, a matter of life or death. If they make it here alive, it's highly likely they'll survive. Global News goes behind the scenes at one of BC's busiest trauma units. Plus, missing some money? What a good Samaritan discovered in Port Coquitlam. And the search for the rightful owner. Crews are on scene to a crash involving a motorcycle here in Surrey, westbound on Highway 10, just before 192nd Street in the right lane. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside the Real Canadian Superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Surrey. The special stories that shape our province, as suggested by our viewers. This is BC with Jay Durant. Real people, real stories. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways, BC owned and operated for 75 years. Well, we've all seen it on TV, but tonight during Injury Prevention Week in BC, we are getting a rare behind-the-scenes look at one of BC's real-life trauma centers. Global's Amada Gahi takes us on the step-by-step -step journey of a patient through Vancouver General Hospital's trauma unit. The critical care paramedics, which is the crew in the helicopter taking care of the patients, which just put them on a stretcher and hurry to this door here. Patient on a stretcher. The elevator is being held by security and we're going straight in. Each year, more than 800 people needing critical care after a serious injury find themselves rushed to the level one trauma center at Vancouver General Hospital. The whole hospital is activated in terms of knowing there's a major trauma patient arriving. Three patients can be resuscitated at the same time. The quality of treatment they receive here may determine the difference between life and death. As soon as we find things that need to be treated, that we intervene right away. With injuries sometimes so severe, a patient can be flown straight to an emergency operating room. It's a patient who was injured in a ski accident in Whistler. And the fact that this process existed contributed to his survival. How's your breathing feeling? Uh, it's getting better. Once stabilized, the patient moves through the next step of recovery. 
They're conditioned, monitored around the clock. This is a burn trauma high acuity unit. So patients that aren't quite sick enough to be in the ICU, but they're too unwell to be cared for up on the floor. So we'll get you some more pain medication. So here we comes into our, as we call it, patient's gym. And before anyone is eventually released, they will need rehabilitation. I got another two weeks of it, and then I'll be able to, to get back to hopefully normal in a way. Your pain is better? Uh, yes, it is. Our role is focusing to get them appropriate resources based on their injuries. I do believe we have really the highest quality trauma care that you can have in the world. From beginning to the end of their time in the trauma unit, a patient may need care from dozens of highly trained medical professionals. It doesn't hurt? Feel comfortable? Okay. All working as one cohesive unit for the best possible outcome. Emadagahi, Global News. Well, a special celebration is underway in Vancouver. Ronald McDonald House is celebrating its eighth birthday. Christy Gordon is live at Ronald McDonald House with more on the festivities uh, and more information on how Ronald McDonald House, Christy, helps the overall well-being of sick kids and their families as well. That's exactly right, Sophie. So we're really getting ready to celebrate this eighth anniversary because the house really is so crucial to the families here at Ronald McDonald House, but also uh, at BC Children's Hospital. Here's Richard Pass. He's the CEO of Ronald McDonald House. Richard, tell us why this house really is so crucial for families. Well, thanks, Christy. Well, Ronald McDonald House is a home away from home where families stay uh, when their child is seriously ill and having treatment at BC Children's. And so the opportunity to stay together as a family uh, takes the, uh, the, helps the child heal more. And uh, it, staying at Royal McDonald House takes the burden of the, the costs off the family. But it's also the pressures of uh, just the day-to-day -day things that really uh, are a gift to the families. And that's really what we're doing tonight is, is uh, a celebration, but dinners. Dinners are provided for families at home as well. And you think of during COVID, uh, siblings weren't able to join kids at the hospital, whereas here at the home, the whole family could be there yeah. together with the child either going through serious illness or uh, treatments at the hospital. That's right. And, and the family staying together is such a key piece for the healing and, the, and for the whole family unit to be together and to have that support. So it, it's really a gift uh, for the families and, uh, and the celebration today is just a part of that. So we're asking you to help uh, Ronald McDonald House by texting H-O-M-E, home, to 4568, text home. And that gives a very easy $10 donation. You also can go to the website at rmhbc.ca slash donate. So back to you. All right, we'll check back with you in a bit for the weather. Thanks, Christy. Coquitlam RCMP are looking for the rightful owner of what's being described as a significant amount of cash found in Port Coquitlam. A good Samaritan found a large amount of money in the 500 block of Dominion Avenue on Wednesday and turned it into police. If the money is yours or if you know who it belongs to, you will have to answer some questions so that officers know they're returning it to the right person. The owner will have to be able to describe the amount, denominations and what the cash was carried in. Still to come, hospital heartbreak. I was crying with pain and screaming with pain on the bed. A Surrey woman miscarries alone at Surrey Memorial. Why she feels the hospital mishandled her case. Plus, Boris Johnson bows to the pressure. The British Prime Minister's resignation and his parting shot at his fellow Tories. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Big delays here in Richmond and still waiting for crews to arrive on scene to a two-car crash westbound on Highway 91 just before Nelson in the left lane. Sussex Insurance has auto plan offices inside the Real Canadian Superstores and Walmarts throughout BC. Find your nearest location at sussexinsurance.com. Open 9 to 9 every day. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above a crash in Richmond. BC's controversial aerial wolf call will be allowed to continue after a judge denied an environmental group's challenge of the practice. But as Paul Johnson reports, despite losing the case, the group sees this as a long-term win. The wolf kill program is extremely inhumane. You have sharpshooters essentially killing wolves from helicopters. Animal lawyer Rebecca Brader recently brought a case to BC Supreme Court arguing against the province's wolf kill program. Since 2015, in an effort to protect threatened caribou herds in the interior, the province has shot more than 1,700 wolves, including 280 just this year alone. The laws uh, and regulations did not allow the killing of wolves by air. Hired by the environmental group Pacific Wild, Brader says she found that the province's method of having civilian shooters take out running wolf packs from choppers was against federal aviation law. It is unsafe. We don't know what the qualifications are of the people uh, shooting, shooting wolves. And apparently someone in Victoria agreed. In a unique twist, as the case was underway... The province apparently went to Ottawa and got the right paperwork to bring the program into compliance. So while in the end the judge ruled in favour of the province, Brader and Pacific Wild were on to something. If there is any silver lining to this decision, it's that the court agreed with Pacific Wild that we have the right to speak on behalf of wolves in the courtroom. The Provincial Ministry of Land, Water and Resource Stewardship told Global News Thursday that the wolf kill program is not taken lightly. It's science-based and is working. They say caribou numbers are growing. So while the legality of the program is now settled, opponents like Brader say the morality of it is not. The aerial wolf kill method, they say, has no way of ensuring wolves are killed quickly and humanely. And they suspect many British Columbians share that view. The people who are shooting wolves aren't even required anymore to ensure that the wolf is dead. Paul Johnson, Global News. Well, after months of scandals, British Prime Minister Boris Johnson is bowing to calls to resign as leader, but says he will stay on until a successor is chosen. Johnson stepping down amid a mass revolt by top members of his own government. Global's Kyle Benning has the details. 
Being met with jeers, it's fair to say this isn't what Boris Johnson expected nearly three years after achieving Britain's strongest mandate in decades. I want you to know how sad I am to be giving up the best job in the world. But them's the breaks. While he has taken the decision to step away as Prime Minister, Tefwan Boris pointed to those in his party for part of the reason behind his decision. As we've seen uh, at Westminster, uh, the herd instinct is powerful. When the herd moves, it moves. Johnson will stay on as Prime Minister until a new leader is chosen. More than 50 ministers have resigned under his leadership as his government dealt with numerous scandals. Among them, Partygate, where he and his staff participated in large gatherings, breaking public health orders the government put in place during the COVID-19 pandemic. More recently, Johnson came under fire for elevating one of his MPs to a senior position. Chris Pincher has been at the center of claims for groping two men at a private club, something he has denied. Johnson's office first said he wasn't aware of the allegations, but this week changed that narrative, saying the PM knew the accusations either had been resolved or did not reach a formal complaint. Even still, some in the British public side with him. History will judge him, well, in some ways kindly in the fact that he was a whirlwind. He changed the nature of British politics in many ways, the way he campaigned, particularly during the European Union referendum. A former Canadian diplomat says the scandals put the British Conservative Party under a lot of duress. Jeremy Kinsman doesn't expect a change in leadership to have an impact on Canadian relations. But the Tories across the Atlantic are determining what that party will look like going forward. The Conservative Party in Britain is at a crossroads and uh, they're going to have to work out exactly uh, who, who, who they are and what they represent. A spokesperson for Canada's trade minister says the talks with Britain for a new trade agreement will not be impacted by Johnson's departure. Kyle Benning, Global News. Oscar-nominated actor James Caan has died. Well, then business will have to suffer, all right? And listen, do me a favor, Tom. No more advice on how to patch things up. Just help me win, please, all right? Khan was best known for his portrayal of Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. He starred in a string of films from the mid-60s through the early 80s before quitting acting for several years. He restarted his career in 1990, playing writer Paul Sheldon in Misery. And he endeared himself to younger audiences as the curmudgeonly dad in Elf. Khan was 82 years old. Health officials have been warning COVID-19 numbers are expected to climb. And here's the data drop for the past week. We have 369 people in hospital. That is up 96. 36 of those patients are in the ICU, up four. There have been 24 more deaths recorded due to complications of the virus, and we have 765 new confirmed cases. A woman who suffered a miscarriage in May is speaking out about the care she received at Surrey Memorial Hospital. She says she wasn't given an ultrasound, follow-up exam, or any counseling. Kylie Stanton has her story, and a warning, some of the details may be disturbing and triggering. Poring over a pathology report, still looking for answers. But knowing nothing will make the loss any easier. It was very hard for us. Very hard. On the night of May 12th, Karen Deep Mangat was four and a half months pregnant when she started experiencing severe pain. After a two-hour wait at Surrey Memorial Hospital, she was put into a room and treated with pain medication. Shortly after... She miscarried. When baby released, I cried and I told my husband about it. And uh, it was an emotional moment for both of us. 
Through it all, Mangit says she was alone. Her husband had left the room desperately looking for help, but no one came. A person is crying and suffering, right? So little bit of humanity they need, right? Mangit says the hospital did not offer an ultrasound to confirm the baby had passed safely. Instead, she was provided with a requisition to make an appointment at an outpatient clinic. They should check the health of the lady because after releasing a baby, there could be a damage of internal part. There could be any damage to the body. According to Fraser Health, that's in line with their protocol. In a statement, it writes, ultrasounds are available in the hospitals 24-7 if a physician determines a person needs that level of care. But Mangit also claims her mental health was ignored. No other support is provided, no counsellor, nothing, no one approached us. Fraser Health states a patient who miscarries their baby while in the emergency department has the opportunity to connect with a social worker. Writing, our patient care quality office has connected with the patient directly to ensure they have the supports they need at this time. But Mangit has filed a formal complaint with the health authority that is currently under investigation. She's sharing her story in hopes no one else will have to suffer the way she has. This is not only for me, this is for everyone who goes to Surrey Memorial Hospital. Kylie Stanton, Global News. Still to come, when his business failed, how he stitched it back together. I wasn't going to lay down and die. I was going to rebuild, step by step. The Burnaby Taylor still sewing 66 years later for his star-studded clientele. Plus, missing for months, how Mary the Cat was finally found far from home. Cool and wet conditions throughout June have kept the wildfire season in check in the southern half of this province. BC Wildfire Service provided an update today saying current wildfire activity is mainly in the northern region where rainfall has been minimal. As of July 4th, there were 217 wildfires in the province covering more than 2,700 hectares. That's about half the number of fires we've seen historically by that date. You know, it's one thing to get showers over a couple of days and have it be spotty, but in this case, through the month of June, it was really widespread and it was uh, deep and consistent rain that we saw uh, not only in our, our wetter belts, but in some of those really, you know, dry belts that we were observing earlier in the season. Officials say July will bring warmer and drier conditions, which of course will increase the wildfire risk. All right, let's bring in meteorologist Christy Gordon for a look at our weather forecast down at Ronald McDonald House. Happy 8th anniversary to Ronald McDonald House. But uh, talking weather, Christy, and some wild weather in southern Alberta. That's right, Sophie. We've just getting reports of a possible tornado in the Sundry area of Alberta occurring just before 5 o'clock today. Uh, no reports of any injuries. Uh, RCMP are confirming that there's a six to nine homes that have been damaged. All occupants, though, have been accounted for. No fatalities as far as we're aware. Again, this is just a possible tornado. There are no confirmed reports at this time. They did have severe thunderstorm watches and warnings in effect 
and tornado watches uh, earlier today, but currently, uh, again, possible tornado northwest of Calgary in the Sundry area. All right. Now, meanwhile, in our region, we certainly have had action as well. We have severe thunderstorm watches in effect still for the Caribou, Central Interior, and Southern parts of BC Peace River. Uh, you can see lightning strikes all across the region and one just in through the Campbell River area in the last hour. Uh, quite a bit of uh, thunder rolling in that region. Now, things will settle down overnight. Tomorrow, though, we still have instability in the forecast, and that's across the northern parts of Vancouver Island, stretching into that Caribou Central Interior region once again. Very spotty, though. Most areas will be enjoying a mix of sun and cloud. These are isolated uh, thunderstorms possible through the afternoon hours. The north coast will see cloud and showers throughout the day, and for the south coast, really, we are expecting a mix of sun and cloud, but uh, over the next little while, not only tomorrow, but Saturday and Sunday as well, we're still going to be a little unsettled. So I'm keeping in a 30-40% chance of showers over the next couple of days. But overall, I think you've got plenty of weather there to enjoy, although cloudy uh, skies are expected on Saturday. But late Sunday, it looks like we'll see a nice strong ridge of high pressure build. It's not going to last for multiple days, but at least for a couple of days with some great sunshine in store for us on Monday and Tuesday. I'll leave you with tonight's center windows weather window. And I picked this one because it's so indicative of what we've had so far this summer. A beautiful summertime shot nonetheless, but that cloud layers that you can see and certainly a little bit more gray than a lot of people would like to be uh, having for this time of year. So back to you. Patience, patience. The sunshine will come. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you, Christy. A Victoria family has been reunited with their cat after she made an incredible journey that took her more than 100 kilometers from home. Mary, a three and a half year old blue and cream tortoise shell cat, had been missing for months. A good Samaritan found her in Nanaimo in pretty rough shape and took her to a nearby veterinarian. After her treatment, Mary was sent along to the SPCA where they scanned her chip and discovered just how far she had traveled. Mary has since been reunited with her family back in Victoria. All right, uh, Squire Barnes is here now with a look ahead to sports draft day. Draft day, yes. Well, just the first round. All the other rounds are tomorrow. But the Vancouver Canucks have another Swedish player in their midst. Vancouver Canucks are proud to select from uh, Sweden the SHL Djurgården Jonathan Lekarmäki. I'll say it differently. Jonathan Lekarmäki is considered a sniper. He plays right wing normally, but he'll take a couple of years at least to get to the NHL level. And there he is, the newest Canuck. Patrick Alvin. All right, and later, celebrity suits straight from Burnaby. The tailor to the stars still to come. How do you say it? Uh, I'm going to guess Jonathan because it's Swedish. Okay. Lekaramaki. Lekaramaki. That's what I'm going to say. I'm sure it's not quite correct, but sounds, I'll get it. Sounds eventually. good to me. Okay. Uh, there was no trade of JT Miller today. No trades of any kind for the Vancouver Canucks. They did use their 15th overall selection on, surprise, surprise, a Swedish right winger, Jonathan Lekaramaki, who is a pure scorer. He's not expected to be here for a while. In fact, he's not 18 until July 24th. He had 20 goals in 26 games in the Swedish Junior League, moved up to the big league in Sweden, scored 7 in 26. The Canucks, of course, have had great success in their history with Swedish forwards. Lekaramaki uh, has his junior rights actually owned by the Vancouver Giants. One goal with Sweden at the World Under-18s. He had 15 points in six games. Now, the first pick overall, I guess it was a slight surprise. Uh, Yurash Slavkovsky 
of Slovakia went number one to Montreal. Actually, another Slovakian defenseman, Simon Nemec, went number two to New Jersey. Shane Wright was thought to be the first overall pick, but he ended up dropping the fourth overall, and Seattle got him. Good pickup for them. And how about this trade? This surprised me. The Brinkett, who's a great goal scorer, goes to Ottawa for three draft picks. That's a great trade for the Senators. I wonder if Chicago is tanking a bit to get Connor Bedard next year. Hmm, possibly. Uh, it'll be a busy weekend at BC Place. Tomorrow night, the Whitecaps are home to Minnesota. That's a 7.30 kickoff. And then on Saturday, the BC Lions will play Winnipeg at 4 o'clock, a battle of unbeatens. Bombers 4-0, Lions 3-0. This certainly will be the biggest test so far for BC quarterback Nathan Rourke. He's expected to remember every play in the book and know everything about the opposing team. But when it comes to mistakes on the football field, Nathan Rourke needs to forget them. The quarterback is the guy that's got to literally live one play at a time and it's got to be the next play. So whether things are going really good or something bad happens, you got to really have a short-term memory and, and be on to the next thing. Rourke's ability to flush the miscues and overcome adversity was tested last week in Ottawa. He threw his first two interceptions of the season on back-to-back -back possessions, but responded by beating the blitz and hitting Keon Hatcher for a 71-yard score. Open, down the field, Keon Hatcher, countdown on, 30, 20, 10, touchdown Lions. And they threw some stuff at us that, you know, DCs might look at, it, at that game and be like, okay, we might, have to, we might have to apply that to our game plan this week, so... A lot of things that we got to learn from, some looks that we hadn't seen before, but now we've seen them and we got to make the adjustments and be ready next time. The next game for BC is against Winnipeg, and the Lions will want to forget the two meetings with the Bombers last season when they were outscored 75-9. to But this year's team is different, and the Lions have been the ones dishing out the punishment, averaging 45 points per game, and Saturday's contest against the league-leading Bombers will be a chance to see how they measure up against the back-to-back -back Grey Cup champs. They're very good defense, championship-style defense, and if we want to be at, the, at that level, we got to go through them um, at least uh, three more times after, after Saturday. So um, that we're definitely going to be a good test for us. Hopefully we can do it. Um, we don't view it as a make-or-break game, but we're certainly excited about it. I think it's, it's good for us, good for Winnipeg, good for the league to have a, a big game like this early in the season. So our guys have been uh, um, it's starting to feel like a long practice week, so we're uh, looking forward to Saturday. Surrey's Adam Svensson had a big day in round one of the Barbasol Championship in Kentucky. This is a birdie putt that ties him for the lead at eight under par. He had two eagles today. This is his second one on the eighth. Gets it to the green. Gets it in a good position to drop to ten under par. Just needs to make a putt. And he does just that. He makes the putt. And takes the lead, and he has a two-shot lead heading into round two. Roger Sloan today was three over par. Well, after gutting out a five-set win with a torn abdominal muscle, Rafael Nadal has announced he cannot play tomorrow's semifinal against Nick Kyrgios and is pulling out of Wimbledon. That means Kyrgios is in the final for sure. And quite frankly, considering how many times we have all seen Nadal fight through injuries and fight back from adversity, this is a clear sign he is badly hurt. I think it's, yeah, I think it don't make sense to to go even if I, even if I tried a lot of time during, during all my career to keep going under uh, very tough circumstances in that one. I think um, it's obvious that if I keep going, the, the injury gonna going to be worse and worse. And, and that's the thing that I, I, I can say now and 
feel very sad to say that. This was a fun match today. Women's semi-final on Jabour of Tunisia against her best friend Tatiana Maria of Germany. Jabour trying to become the first Tunisian woman to make the finals at Wimbledon, and she will. She'll win this match. Great shot here. Oh my Whoa. Nice. This is match point, but I want to, you to watch what happens after this is over. So Shabur wins in three sets. She takes Tatiana Maria out to center court as well. So she gets as many cheers as her friend does. That's the best. Aww. There you go. That's nice. That's good sportsmanship. It is. I like seeing that. They're best buddies. There you go. All right. Thanks, Squire. Up next, the Burnaby Taylor designing suits for the stars and how he made the great Robin Williams laugh. This is BC with Jay Durant is brought to you in part by Van Cam Freightways. BC owned and operated for 75 years. Well, you might not recognize Pat Coco, but you have seen his work on the silver screen. His made-to-measure suits have been a favorite of actors working here in Hollywood North. But as Jay Durant tells us, his success didn't come without overcoming failure first. We're making a tuxedo here. Chances are you've seen Pat Coco's craftsmanship on the big screen. Burnaby's Tailor to the Stars has been designing custom suits for film and TV for almost 30 years. That's Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, this Ben Affleck, this Ray Liotta, that's Nick Nolte, and of course this late Robert Williams. And he comes out without his shirt. And when I saw him, he says, holy smokes, where'd you get all that hair? I was up on my head. It all started when a movie costume designer saw one of his suits in a local store. Word about the quality of his work got around pretty fast. So once you meet one, they all talk, you know. Coco's promising start as a young tailor hit a small speed bump in the 1980s when he briefly found himself unemployed. I wasn't going to lay down and die. I wasn't going to rebuild. So he kept designing for customers in his mother's basement before moving to the double garage. In 1990, he relocated Seville Taylor's to its current location in Burnaby, which means some star sightings in the neighborhood. And down there, of course, is Donald Sutherland. Oh, he was right in the shop here. Right in the shop right there. After they left, the neighbors came rushing in. They said, was that Donald Sutherland in here? I says, yeah, it was. <laughs> Out of all of his unique creations over the years, one stands out for Coco. Look at that. This suit Sean Bean wore in Snowpiercer is his masterpiece. That's one of your finest creations? It is. I call it Mona Lisa. With Hollywood North ramping up again, the phone is ringing off the hook, which has the tailor to the stars working some very long days. As long as my health is good and God willing, and uh, what, what else am I going to do? It keeps me going. Jay Durant, Global News. You know. That's a very good uh, suit and shirt that he's wearing, too. I'm sure he made it for himself. If you know someone who has a great story to tell or something unique to BC, don't forget to email your ideas to jay at thisisbc at globalnews.ca. We should get him to whip up some suits for you and Chris, Squire. That's not a bad idea <laughs> at all, actually. He's in Burnaby. He's not far he's from not here. Not far. Exactly. We're in Burnaby. I live in Burnaby. He's in Burnaby. Perfect. It pretty much writes itself. Uh, let's check in with Christy one more time for a final look at weather. Christy? 
Thanks so much, Sofa. You know, I just met a family from down here. They've been here here at Ronald McDonald House since September on and off. I really urge anyone to make a donation. $10, text HOME to 45678. We've got a slight chance of showers over the next couple of days, but that's about it. No deluge of rainfall, thankfully, on the way. So back to you. All right. Happy birthday, Ronald McDonald House. Good night, all. Mm -hmm.